Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Television, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, uh, Ryan Abraham, and along with Chris Trevino here in studio. Follow him on Twitter at Chris and Trevino. What's up, Chris? How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good, good, good. We got remotely on the other side of the country, Shotgun Spratling. Follow him on Twitter at Shotgun SPR. Shoddy, how are you, man? Doing good. I stopped by Chris's alma mater today. So, you know, I had to look for the Chris Trevino statue. No one would tell me where it was at. I'm kind of confused right now. Yeah. University of Maryland. Is this going to be like a normal thing? Like every Sunday you just go <laughs> to some part of Maryland and bring that it's, energy to me? Is that, him, yeah. is, that, is that how it's going to be? I mean, it's not that close. It's like going to San Diego on a day trip. So. All right. I don't think it'll be every Sunday, Chris. And we also I didn't have, happen to be there today. Oh, sorry, Shotty. Uh, we also have Nicole Sheeran here in studio. We have a an extra shot for her today. We got some more cameras going. Everything, yeah. Nicole. Thanks for coming in and helping us with the show again. Of course. Hello, everyone. Happy to be in my little box over here. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're getting the show ramped up again, like we talked about before. Uh, we were going to try to do live calls this week. We're going to skip that and we'll do them. Next week, we will. Anyone that's watching live on YouTube, we will be able to put up your questions on the screen. Please put question uh, first, and we'll be able to do that and expand that and kind of get this going. But we got a lot more shots that we can play with. It should be a lot of fun, and we want to talk about USC Spring Football Week 2 in review. So uh, we were all out there. The three of us were out there at spring practices last week. We heard from Lincoln Riley uh, on Saturday when he did a Zoom call. That was a closed practice on Saturday. Uh, putting full pads on, so it's a little bit different feel. And then we'll get to all of your questions and concerns uh, about what's going on with the show. So make sure if you're you know, in you know, the chat box on uh, YouTube, uh, put your questions in there, and I will try to put them up on the screen as we go. Uh, but I wanted to jump in because uh, it's full pads. And this was something that we got to hear from the offensive players, the defensive players. Everyone seemed to be excited about putting the pads on. Full pads is the thing you want to do. Uh, especially Alex Grinch. Certainly we t- got to talk to him on Thursday, but Chris, maybe start with you as far as uh, any thoughts on the players now, the coaches now talking about practicing in full pads. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that would make it better is if we could actually see some of the full mm-hmm. pad work outside of individual, individual stuff. But you know, it's uh, I think I mentioned this on the Parasol podcast, small, slight plug to the Parasol podcast, yes. but I mentioned that, it's always nice when you get to see the players come out in pads. That's like the first real 
it's like the first true beginning of uh you know spring camp you know you see them or any camp you know you see them out in the pads you see who looks who looks bigger who looks super more intimidating uh when the pads come on the answer is shane lee looks super more intimidating when the pads come on <laughs> but you know out there popping the, the intensity seemed to kick it up a little bit in those individual drill patterns or drills with the coaches you know especially the defensive backs they're the closest we can see uh at least for me you know, Dante Williams fired up, Alex Grinch fired up with those guys, you know, shouting, yelling, making them pop each other a little bit. You know, they haven't done a lot of full-on tackling. Alex Grinch said they're they're mainly doing thud stuff. Okay. Um, they have done a little bit. You know, they have to pick and choose when they want to use those tackling periods because uh, you only get a certain number of uh, – a, num- a certain number of tackling days uh, now, you know, for the NCAA-mandated uh, stuff. So they have to kind of pick and choose what days they want to – to do um, that tackling this week, upcoming week should be a little bit more. You know, yes. Grinch had mentioned, Riley had mentioned, both of them had mentioned that there will be you know some scrimmage periods, um, so they'll be a little bit more active when it comes to hitting. So we'll probably see those clips come out. Uh, but yeah, you know, just just a little bit more buzzworthy at practice, just because you know got the pads pop and you can hear it when we're outside. Yeah, uh, waiting for practice or to get in to do interviews. Want to see the pads pop and you want to hear the pads pop and I wish we could watch a little bit more. Uh, we can't. Shotgun from you know across the country, uh, flying over there. Any thoughts on the the second week of USC spring practice, full pads or whatever you heard? I mean, I think the the interesting thing is hearing Alex Grinch say that they're going to scrimmage this Tuesday and that they haven't scrimmaged necessarily the first two weeks. Because normally, you know, by week two on that Saturday, you're scrimmaging. That's what those Saturdays, you know, supposed to be those competition periods. And that's the ones we really look forward to going to uh, in previous years when we were able to go see. So a little bit, a little bit interesting that they have pushed the scrimmage back. So we'll see how they kind of, uh, you know, get in the allotment of full, uh, full tackle periods that they're able to get throughout the spring, at least that they tell us about because that's all we're going to get from them. But I thought that was pretty interesting that they kind of the, the schedule is a little bit different. Obviously, this this year's schedule is different than previous years of USC spring ball because. There's no spring break period, and there's no week off like we've had seen in the past. So there's some differences in the the coaches and how they're going about things. And then obviously the gold-plated thing, which you guys talked about a little bit, I think on the podcast and different things. And I, I was correct about what it actually was initially, so – I didn't think it was a huge deal, but I thought it was a good thing that they're doing. And a lot of people were freaking out about what are they? They're changing the helmet logo. What's going on? They're going to have helmet stickers now, but no, that's not actually the case. Um, and I may even do a primer on the site just to explain what the gold plate is for anyone that's confused. Uh, but it's similar to how Ohio state has their, was it red stripe? I believe it is red stripe or black stripe that they have for that goes over the, the top of the helmet. You have to earn that. And freshmen coming in or newcomers coming in, you have to earn that in when you first get to, to camp. And that's what USC, the players have to earn the, the the helmet logo, the Trojan on the side of the helmet. So that's just something I think it's great that they're, again, it's about accountability. Lincoln Riley talked about it multiple questions on Saturday when we talked to him. It's about accountability. He was asked, you know, what kind of changes they made. He said, you know, we'd be here all weekend if I listed all the changes. Yeah. And Dante Williams went about it when he took over as interim coach, trying to make the group more accountable. And Keeley had a great story on that from sources and stuff when that happened during the Washington state week, but there was, it needed a full culture change and that's what the coaches are trying to implement now. So he just listening to what they're talking about and some of the other coaches mentioning it as well. I think really interesting, uh, the, the steps that are being taken there. Um, we're going to talk about the gold plated thing 
a little bit. Okay. Because we got to, I mean, uh, so Chuck, I kind of explained it a little, but just so you know, everyone's helmet is now plain. So you come into the practice and there's no USC logo on the side of the helmet. Lincoln Riley explained, we actually, I was, I was interviewing Cortland Ford on Tuesday and he sort of just mentioned it and we're like, oh, okay, that's different. What was that? We thought there might be stickers, like the little Buckeyes, you're talking about Ohio State. It's really just you get the logo. So yeah. will the logo, yeah. It's just the logo. I don't know if my camera's on, but it's just this logo. Yeah. So if. Uh, just if, earn this logo. That's yeah. All and yeah. former players can give it like Taylor Mays is around. He's like, hey, man. Uh, Max Williams made a great play. He he worked hard today. Give him the logo, you know. Uh, get, he gets gold plated. So you're that's what it's like a you know incentive thing. And Lincoln Riley was pressed, I guess, a little bit about like, well, what happens when the season starts and someone's can someone go out there? They haven't earned their their helmet sticker, their gold plate. And uh, he kind of made it sound like, look, if if you haven't got that, you're not playing. So it, it was pretty clear. It's like. People are going to get it, you know. If you're out there working hard, and if you're not, you're gonna because you want to get, you want to have that sticker on that. And I guess it's early double digits, so maybe like 10, 12 people or something mm-hmm. have it right now. Uh, I, and you know, people were worried about the tradition. I like that. I think it's a new tradition that doesn't infringe on any of the old ones. You know, it's not like we're going to make the logo green. Like no, it's just we just you don't get the logo yet, and we're going to add it to your helmet if you play. You know, if you perform well, if you. Work hard, whatever it is. Um, so I think it's kind of cool. I don't know any any thoughts on it. Yeah, just for the players that we know that are gold plated certified that went you know gold, they sold enough records to be to be gold. <laughs> it's uh, Max Williams, the defensive back. He earned one. Uh, Makai Blackman, the Colorado transfer, he has one. And Taj Washington, a holdover from last season, a transfer from last season, he picked one up as well. Um, those are the only three that we know of right now because. I believe Kyron Hudson as well. Okay. Um, Lincoln Riley mentioned that he had already gotten his, has been gold plated. He's really been working hard. Um, I, I think it, it, part of the issue is, you know, people asked on the P about having a tracker. I said, well, that's, you can't really do that unless we get some x-ray vision because they have the, you know, the, the safety padding they have for linemen, for tight ends and stuff. So I think that kind of, you know, keeps us from being able to track every single player, but the skill position players on the outside, you know, uh, Chris will be able to get some photos and different things. And this week I'll be at practice on Thursday, grab some photos as well. So try to keep up with as many guys as we can. When we talk to people, we'll be asking. But, yeah, it's a, it's a gradual thing. And, Ryan, I, I think you didn't describe it exactly correct as far as, you know, it, the former players are handing it out, but it's not like they have the, you know, it's not like Taylor Mays is like, oh, I saw that guy make a good play. I'm going to give it to this guy. But the, the coaching staff is having former players that come to practice or that they bring in as guests have them be the ones to deliver it. You know, okay, how awesome cool. is it if you're Max Williams and Taylor May, you know, you're playing safety, you're playing nickelback, and Taylor May is a guy you probably looked up to as a safety growing up, is the guy that gives you, you know, that tells you that you're goal playing, is the one that honors you. I think it's just adding an extra element and making it just even more special for the players. And that makes the next guy, you know, whether this is, it's the next safety or, you know, whether it's a running back and, you know, uh, they know Lindell White might show up or something and give them, some, you know, or Marcus Allen or what, whatever it may be. Like, I want to, I got to, I got to make sure I earn mine right now. I, I want to go in the weight room right now and get an extra rep in, do this extra thing because I want to be a part of that group. And that's what it is. It's just incentivizing working hard and earning your place. You know, that's something in the past where a lot, we've talked about this in the past ad nauseum is, you know, it was kind of, if you're a good player where you're going to get your thing and you didn't necessarily have to work as hard as somebody else, you know, you didn't have to take the same reps in the summer. You didn't have to do this or that. 
Um, there was a little bit of favoritism in that regard, whereas now it's everyone is, you know, at, at a at a flat line and you go from there. And Lincoln Riley said that, you know, as far as being accountable, it's not just the players. It's not just the newcomers coming in. You know, the seniors don't get some big advantage over the freshmen. Everyone has to earn their place. The staff has to earn their place. The uh, assistant coaches, the head coach, everyone has to be accountable. And I think that's just, that's the mentality that there has to be in a championship program. That's something that has definitely been missing. So I really like the development of this, just making them earn it because in the past players did not start with the helmet logos either. You start out the beginning of camp and no one has logos in their helmet and about halfway through camp, just, you know, they give the helmet, the helmet logos out. Usually in a Coliseum practice, you know, the players show up and, you know, I don't know if they were trying to make them go a little harder in the Coliseum or whatever it may be, but you know, then the, the, there was no real, necessary rhyme or reason why suddenly there would be logos on the helmets versus there weren't at the beginning of camp. But now they, now it's something where you have to earn it. I think that's just one more thing saying, Hey, if you want to represent USC, if you want to wear that interlocked SC on your gear, if you want to wear this helmet sticker, this helmet logo, you have to prove yourself. And, you know, that's just a, it's a great way to go about it, I think. And it's a great change from where this program was at in the past. For sure. Oh, dude. I was going to say shotgun sort of off topic. But is this was your reasoning for not giving me Family Feud membership? <laughs> you had to you earn got, it. Out, it was this kind yeah. of the same. I felt like this is I felt like the whole time you were just saying that I was just imagining Family Feud in my head. Yeah, you know, you had to earn it, Chris. And you were working your way up. And that's why you finally made it that at was, the end. That now, was tough. I, you're a full I member of Tunnel Vision. Don't worry about it, Chris. And I didn't know podcast. that you know Keely was going to leave us. And happy birthday to Keely! It is her birthday. Oh, yeah. I stopped birthday, by Keely. Chris's birthday, alma mater Keely. today on Keely's birthday. I don't know what that means, but there's a Family Feud reference there as well. Um, but you know, it's okay, Chris. You've yeah. now found a home. Look at you. You're just blossoming it it before our very eyes. On Tunnel right. Vision Turn it down a bit. on a. All right. <laughs> well, okay. I'm still with... looking for that statue in College Park, Maryland. I'm just Wait, saying. We'll check it out. Uh, Gonna get some good crab cakes over there. Speaking of the accountability stuff, one of the things that Lincoln Riley talked about on Saturday, the question coming up about like, you know, is there pressure to play like a five star? You know, I think maybe Corey Foreman was the topic or something like that. Um, and he was, I mean, it was really, I kind of like what he said about those are high school accolades. Like you leave the, when you leave high school, they're gone. Like it doesn't matter anymore. This is, you're moving forward. You're now in college. Um, it's great that if you were a five-star or whatever, I mean, now you're in college and it just starts all over again. And uh, it was, you know, sometimes coaches just talk and you're like, ah, that, he's saying that. He's like, oh, we got to get better every day. Whatever. This just felt like he, I mean, honestly meant it. Like, hey man, once they're done, like, it's great. You're going to recruit a bunch of five-stars, but that's in high school. When they're in college, it's a completely different, deal i don't what did you think of what he had to say chris yeah obviously it's a it's a good sentiment you know you have college or high school players like highly rated prospects and blue chip guys that come in and you know some of them maybe act like you know this is me i you know they kind of waltz into a starting spot or feel like everything is you know given to them given their nature and i'm not saying that about anybody on the team i'm just saying you know that happens from time to time it's it's only natural as a highly rated guy you know a number one overall guy a a, a program changing player um, you have all this hype as a high school player and then you still carry some of those expectations into you know camp or when you enroll but you have to you start all over it's a fresh scratch you know you might have been man in high school but you're the bottom of the totem pole in college you have to start all over you yes. have to earn your your 
your your stripes. You have to earn your decal, stuff like that. And gold plated. Gold plated. You have to get gold plated uh, in many different aspects. You know, you cannot just walk in there and you know expect everything to be given to you. And you know, Roy Manning. I talked. Uh, I was in the Roy Manning scrum this week, and he kind of echoed the same thing. You know, what you did in high school doesn't matter. What you do here, you know, is all new. It's all fresh. And you know, he he's seen those. The, he you, know, you watch Corey Foreman practice. He's still a little banged up. You know, I think uh, Lincoln Riley said he should be full go next week. Kind of had a, a setback uh, going into camp injury wise. So, you know, next week should be a big week for him. But you know, Roy Manning said you look at him on the field, you see things, you see these flashes of like, this guy's got some tools. This is this is why NFL teams look for guys like this. So, you know, you see the potential. You know, you just gotta you know pull it out of him. And he says. And he basically said, you know, Corey Foreman needs to have a big, big, big 2022 season. This is the year for him to make an impact for that for that defensive front. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, any thoughts, Shadi? Yeah, I mean, the the ranking that you come in with, it leads to expectations. But that's in high school. That's what you did at a different level. It's the same thing with guys that come in as NFL draft picks and, hey, you're a first round pick, you're a second round pick. Good. You got a signing bonus. But does that mean you automatically make the team? Maybe because the team is invested, yeah, you're going to get a little bit of leeway. But if you want to turn into that second contract, that big contract, you got to go out and perform. And same thing with the high school to college. If you want that playing time, if you want the accolades in college, you got to go out there and perform. You can't, you know, you can't be a five-star guy coming out of high school and don't do anything in college and expect you to be an All-American. You got to go, you got to go produce. And that's what, you know, that's what uh, Lincoln Riley was saying there. And I think it's a great, um, you know, it's, it's an incentive for players. Hey, you need to work hard. You need to do this. But also I think it takes a little bit of the pressure off of someone like Corey Foreman, you know, especially after not having a giant first year to say, Hey, look, that's high school. We're not worried about your ranking. We're not worried about any of that. We want to see you out on the practice field. We want to see what you can do. You earn your reps and then you go out there and make plays and we'll see what you can do. And don't worry about, Hey, he's a former number one player in the country or this or that or that. It doesn't matter anymore. Now you're at square one. You know, you got a new coaching staff here, build from here, build from this moment and then go. And hopefully that takes some of the pressure off some of those very highly rated guys that maybe didn't have a big impact initially, and someone like Corey Foreman can go out there and, hey, if he's not a starter, maybe he comes in on third down and he's an absolute terror on third downs. And he works his way into more reps and he works his way up from there and there and there. And you go like that rather than feeling like I've got to make this play right now because I was the former number one player in the country or I've got to be able to do this or I should be getting these reps over someone else because they were lower ranked than me. No, you got to go earn it. And I think that's the mentality. Again, it goes back to the whole thing of earning it. We had a comment of someone said, you know, those five stars will automatically get their gold sticker, their helmet oh, yeah. decal. This is for the I'm three and four stars to step up. up yeah. and that's not, that's exactly the opposite of what exactly. Lincoln Riley yeah. is saying. This is He's not, saying every yeah. single person has to go earn it, whether it's the Juco guy, the Josh Fatu, a guy they offer late. Uh, at the last minute and say, hey, come join the class, the walk-on guy that comes in and earns a scholarship. Those guys are going to have the same opportunity to earn that gold that gold helmet decal as your five stars that come in with a bunch of hype because it's going to be about what work you put in once you get on campus, not what you've done in the past, not what you've done at a previous stop if you're a transfer. What have you done since you got on this campus, in this program, in this weight room, in these workouts? 
What have you done? What are you bringing to the locker room? What are you bringing to the team? What are you doing away from the field in the classroom? Are you taking care of your business? Are you being a representative of this football team in the community? You know, on when you're on the Greek row, are you getting into a fight? Or are you going to be one of the guys that everybody's like, oh, that's the football team. Those, those are some cool dudes over there, whatever. You know, but it, it's all that is encompassed into earning, you know, earning that decal, but also just earning your place. You don't automatically get anything. That's what Lincoln Riley, that's the message that's being sent at least. Yeah. Um, one of the, with the full pads and stuff coming on this week, Tuesday, the focus seemed like everyone was talking to offensive linemen or, you know, just there was like kind of an offensive line focus. I don't know, Nicole, you were there too. If you want to comment anything that kind of stood out to you. Uh, from Tuesday's media sessions and stuff. Yeah, no, definitely offensive line focus. Um, they were in pads, obviously, so it was physical. And something that definitely stuck out to me, and Ryan and I had talked about this on Instant, but Henson, really the theme that I think they're going with this year is kind of letting that offensive line play to their skills and kind of let them experiment with, you know, Nealon was talking about it of he's letting us play to our strengths. He's letting us play with the type of skill that as each player has. And I think as a whole, that's really going to make this offensive line strong this season for sure. So I found that super interesting, but that was definitely the theme of that practice, I guess. Yeah. I mean, wherever, when we talked to, I mean, it was, was it your fault? Why was it? Cause you I, I did ask Lincoln up, Riley. Like, Tell me was, about the O-line. And that's I said, offensive it. line day, Lincoln Riley. I want yes. it. <laughs> Forget everything make, else. Put the full pads on. But then all the requests end up being. We didn't even talk to Caleb Williams that day. Anything no, we didn't. stand out to you, Chris, from the offensive line, Josh Henson, or Brett Nealon, or any of the. You know, I just, guess, yeah. It just stood out to me that, you know, Lincoln seems to really like the group that he has at o- offensive line. He said, you know, you can't replace experience. And they have a lot of experience up front. Obviously, they're a little bit banged up with Bobby Haskins, who will compete at the left tackle spot. That was per H- Henson on uh on Tuesday and he also made it sound like Haskins wouldn't maybe possibly wouldn't get in a lot of spring maybe at the very end yeah. based on his foot injury mm-hmm. he's still doing rehab you know I watched him on a Tuesday do some of the the pad you know where you they get him on their knees and they kind of just go and hit the pad just some upper body stuff uh for him so he's still working through that rehab process hasn't doesn't look like he's doing any sort of like the running like some of the other guys but you know that kind of stood out to me and just how you know Lincoln is really high on this group, it seems like, just because of that experience they have up top. You know, it's still a little bit thin on that that two deep. You know, he said, you know, that will change. There's some guys that he likes what they're doing on that second team, but he said people will fall, people will rise, you know, depending on as the competition goes this spring. But, you know, right now he's really high on that unit. And, you know, it, I'm not that surprised given, you know, we thought that this was going to be a really good offensive line coming in here. Yeah. Given, you know, they were able to get, Voorhees back. They would get Nealon back. You got Justin Dietrich, you know, looking to move into that that starting uh, right guard spot. And then you have the two, you know, young tackles, Cortland Ford, Jonah Monheim, who I talked to Monheim, said he's put on a good amount of weight. He's about 300, 295. Okay. Uh, he really liked the uh, the winter workouts uh, that they went through. So he's looking a little bit bigger. Ford, I know you talked to him. He was really excited about this. this Cortland Ford's excited. He, and Ryan, he, what, what would he be called? Remember the word from uh, oh, he was. Last- uh, yoked. Yeah. Yeah. There so you was, go. He was yoked. <laughs> Corolla Ford is also athletic. So one of the things that you do in this offense is they do pull their offensive linemen a lot. And I asked Cortland Ford about it. And it was like his eyes lit up and it was just like, yeah, I want to show my athleticism. He likes the fact that they're moving around. And I think Lincoln Riley made it clear that even though you got these guys that you talked about, you know, Dietrich and Voorhees and, um, 
you know, there's a lot of experience on that line. They have to learn a whole new system, and it's just new terminology. And they have guys that have been through four different offensive line coaches. And so there's a lot. Um, and, you know, it's just – it's different. I think Josh Henson talked a little bit about, like, he can change the terminology. Like, sometimes the terminology can change a lot. But just really what they've been asked to do is going to be different. So it's sort of like a learning curve, even for the experienced guys. So before we saw – like the whole playbook installed in three practices. And that's certainly not what we're seeing uh, right now. But there's one of the things that you kind of learned from this was it's like, it's great that there's a lot of experience there. And he brought that Lincoln Riley brought it up himself, but really just, they have to learn that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a new system. They're going to be asked to do different things and it's going to be challenging for these guys. And he kind of pointed out that it's not inherently bad that they've had, you know, four different offensive line True, coaches. Yeah. You know, I think he said, you know, there is this narrative that happens during coaching changes like the last guys were terrible and these guys are the greatest coaches in the world and they're going to fix everything. He said that's not the case. You know, these guys have been coached up well. They just need them to do things, you know, a little bit different or maybe get a little bit more out of a certain skill set. So, you know, he was, you know, he said that straight up, you know, these guys have been coached up well um, and, you know, they, they're they seasoned in coaching. You know, yeah. they've had a multiple different guys teach them how to do things. So, you know. You know, they just maybe okay. You you do it like this. Why don't you do it? Just try try it this way a little bit. So you know, they have a lot of experience when it comes to getting coached. So that makes them also very coachable because they've True. had to adapt to, as you said, four different coaches. Um, so it's not inherently a bad thing. Is something he pointed out. Um, and we'll see. You know, Bobby Haskins comes back. That could change things, obviously. And there's a lot of comments about Josh Connerly. Where we should know what April eighth he'll he'll announce. Shadi's birthday. Good day. Take Shotty's that for day. what you mean. That's a sign. Right. So I don't he, know what that means. So he could be around in the fall. Uh, but Haskins going through some of the rehab stuff. I wanted to ask you, Shotgun, uh, rehab, uh, rehab Island was like a thing, right? And you would keep track of, there's 35 guys on Rehab Island. Or these many scholarship players are not available uh, to play. Was, we've seen you know the increased accountability, the physicality, all the stuff that we can kind of sense and see and from what the players and coaches are saying have been different than what we've seen in the past. Another one just seems to be players are out there, right? They're going to be, they want to be out on the field. They want to prove it where maybe the previous staff was sort of like, you know, backing off a little bit just to try to keep guys healthy. Uh, This is more about everyone's got to go out there and prove it. If you can play, if you can practice, you got to go out there and practice. Not I'm going to work on the bike and uh, watch my, my fellow teammates practice. Yeah, definitely. And you want to impress a new staff. You want to prove yourself. Um, I've talked with some players and a couple of guys that were known to not give enough effort in the past said the first couple of days, gung ho. They want to do everything uh, that they could. They want to show the new staff that they can be, you know, the best player that they should earn this playing time. Now, the question for me gets when you get to week three or four of spring camp, it gets it gets a little tedious. You kind of get the same thing over and over and over. Maybe not so much this spring camp because it is, you know, in different installs. So they're still learning. But when you get towards the end, it, it, there is a little bit of a, a tendency to, to slack up a little bit. All right, I know this. I got the hang of this. Are you going 100 percent? That's when you find out you know, which players want to be in this program or not and which players are going to be here after spring camp. Um, So I I think it's been positive that the numbers on Rehab Island haven't been that many as far as, you know, Chris's tracking and whatnot of what you guys have been able to see at practice. There have still been some banged up guys, but a lot of times in spring, 
it can be an opportunity for, hey, you know, you have your veteran, say, you know, DB, who's a fourth-year guy. He has a wrist surgery. We're not going to rush him back. We know what he can do. Let's see what the young guys can do. Everyone right now, though, wants to prove themselves. So even if someone had a minor surgery in the offseason, you see them out there. They want to be out there, one, because they want to learn. What what's going to be you know what's going on in the system what you know what their job's going to be how how it's different um, I think those things you know they're trying to get that knowledge and trying to prove themselves it's the biggest thing is proving themselves but if you had a guy like Travis Dye or, or Austin Jones those guys may not get a ton of reps in the past but they want to hey they're new guys on the block. They're new to these teammates. They want to prove themselves as their teammates as well. So I think you're getting a lot of that where people want to prove themselves, want to show out. Um, and, and that's why part of the reason why you're not seeing as many guys on, on Rehab Island. To go back to the offensive line real quick, you, you guys talked about how much experience they have. I think that's a big benefit for them because now Andrew Voorhees and Brett Nealon can explain it to one of the younger guys like, hey, this is like when we did it this way, you know, we're calling it, you know, retro, uh, turbo. Now this was Trojan before or whatever it may be, you know, they can, you know, explain the terminology to some of the younger guys or, you know, just help teach because they've seen so much. I mean, Andrew Voorhees has a potential to play 4,000 snaps in his career. That's uh, unheard of at, at this level, um, you know, for an offensive lineman. So you know, those type of guys are going to only help the coaching staff because they're going to be able to pick up things a lot quicker than maybe your freshmen that are coming in and learning things brand new is yeah. four thousand a real number or is that just a bit <laughs> no I, I think he's up around four thousand. <laughs> i mean you can look it up and, and find out what the total is for you it's not you know it's not the ten thousand uh uh you know 10k for tattoos or anything oh yeah do you have an update on that <laughs> i have my consultation on monday nice so we'll uh can we do it live on tunnel vision can we... yes <laughs> That would be fun. That's a great idea. I count Nicole's all about that. Yes. yes. Let's do I, it. Uh, yeah, guys, live from the tattoo part. Yeah, if you don't know, Chris like promised Twitter he would get a 10K tattoo if he got the 10,000 followers within before the September. It happened in like a couple of days. So he's got to get a tattoo. We should probably do it live. I think that's a great idea. Uh, let us know in the comments <laughs> what you like. Uh, if you're watching on any of the platforms, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Please subscribe uh, to Tunnel Vision there. Smash that like button. That's what uh, that's what uh, Chris tells me to say. We need to teach you a new term this week. Every <laughs> week we a need new, a like, yoke term. Last week, yeah. I I Smash came up with my. Well, I, I saw it on another podcast. I think Chip Patterson from the Cover Three. I taught I taught you bet, so I need you to say bet on this show. Oh yes, Ryan, that's good. Yeah, I don't even remember what that one is. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, we do appreciate you watching live. Thanks for everyone doing that. Uh, hit the like button, and that really helps out. Share it with the friends. Hey, you should watch Tunnel Vision. It's great. Uh, like I said, we'll keep expanding. We have more you know, video uh, feeds and stuff that we're going to use for the show, try to make it a little more dy dynamic. We'll definitely add the live callers back again, and we're putting up your uh, live comments and questions. We'll do the questions in a minute. Uh, Ryan, let me jump in right here. To oh, yeah. answer your question, Chris, on Andrew Voorhees, he has uh, around 2,800 career snaps right now. So I've been tracking every USC snap since 2015. So since that time, I've got two players in their careers that have gone over 3,000. So he's going to, you know, you get offense lineman will get 800 with this offense, maybe 900 to 1,000, um, depending on how long they're in there in games. If they're getting, it, you know, running up the score a little bit, which we think might be possible, maybe a little bit less. But he could get up about 3,500. And like I said, there's only been two players that go over 3,000 since guess? I've been tracking. Sure, go for do it. You have a, can I get a hint, though? 
They're four-year starters. That's the oh. only way you're going to get that. Both on the defensive side. Oh. We'll table it. You guys think about it. We'll come back okay. to it. All right. You guys leave your comments as well. If you can guess who since 2015 has played over 3,000 snaps. Good trivia. Snaps Good trivia. I like trivia. that. Um, one last topic, I think, uh, unless you guys have something else before we get on to questions. Because there's been a lot of questions. We want to get to those. Um, the uh, the Thursday practice was uh, – I was actually out of town, so I wasn't there. But saw your guys' interviews and stuff. Uh, Alex Grinch kind of featured there. I uh, put up a story on him, kind of what he had to say about the accountability. He talked a lot about the defensive line. Um, you know, was asked about, you know, people that stood out in the first name. Uh, your favorite, Tuli Tuli Pelotu, came up right away. Um, maybe Chris, we'll start with you and then get to shoddy, like, defensive thoughts from the uh, the Thursday practice. Yeah, I mean, that's the second time he has mentioned Tuli uh, by name. Um, you know, that's someone that obviously is one of those foundational pieces for the front. So, you know, just good, just good reinforcement to hear that, you know, Grinch is, you know, talking him up and seeing that he's, you know, standing out. You know, I think he he mentioned Shane Lee as well as someone who's standing out. Makai Blackman, those are guys who stood out when the pads came on. No surprise. All those guys are, you know, veteran guys. Shane Lee, you know, from a national championship program, he's not. He's not afraid of physicality and Blackman, who is, you know, a multi-year guy at Colorado. So no surprise to see those guys standing out. Did get to talk to Tyrone Teleni a little bit, the other new defensive lineman, the Kansas State transfer. Super nice guy, super genuine guy. Okay. Um, kind of an interesting story. You know, grew up in Western Samoa. I think I said that correctly. Shaka will correct me if I'm not. Samoa. Samoa. Uh, what they call independent Samoa. Um, it's only been like playing football for like three years. Played rugby. They don't really have they don't have high school football in Samoa. So he was playing rugby. Came to you know Kansas State. Well, he went to JUCO. Okay. I'm trying to say Samoa is that part of the U.S. Does anyone know off the top the trivia? American Samoa. I mean, if it's independent Samoa, I don't know if it's it's not a state, not. but it's so it's when he I guess like when he came to the thing. U.S. I don't know. There's, Someone's going to correct me about that. I know it. Came comments. to the mainland. You can put it Came to way. the mainland. You know, that's when he started playing football. He went to Juco, went to Kansas State. Now he's here. He's got the call. He was a little bit surprised that, you know, he got the call. He's got family in L.A. Uh, I believe he said his uncle. Um, and they're big USC fans. So it's just been a dream come true to be out here. And, you know, you know, he's been playing everywhere on the defensive line. You know, defensive tackle, uh, nose, defensive end. He says he's more comfortable right now at the defensive end or defensive tackle spot. He's a little bit smaller. But he is quicker, which sort of this defense sort of uh, values that quickness. So I kind of had him in that defensive end spot early. You know, it's kind of one of those those rotational guys with Nick Figueroa. Um, so yeah, you know, definitely not the biggest guy in the world, but he's got it seems like a lot of heart, and he's you know uh, a rugby guy, so he's not afraid of that physicality and pretty quick out there when I watch him in drills. So um, the other takeaway I had Solomon Tuliapupu yeah. working with. The defensive linemen on Thursday, which I thought was really interesting. I posted some videos. You know, Alex Grinch kind of mentioned, you know, they're getting some guys some cross training, you know, trying to find the best position. Uh, Solo was a little interesting. You know, he started the first week at the rush end spot, kind of that outside linebacker. And now they have him down here with the defensive linemen. You know, he's absolutely, he's not, you know, as big as a traditional defensive lineman. No. He's about six foot three, maybe 240, 250 on, on a heavier week. Um, but he is violent enough to play down there. Uh, Solo is one of those in-your-face kind of guys. I love telling the story, but one time I watched him uh, 
headbutt a teammate on the sideline to get him pumped up for a championship game. And Solo wasn't wearing a helmet. The other guy was, and he just ate it like it was nothing. So that guy's not afraid of contact. He is violent. I got I saw him working a little bit. They were, they were uh, working on, like, disengaging blocking uh, with Sean Nua, and Sean Nua was kind of, like, coaching him up a little bit because, you know, he's not really used to engaging with offensive linemen like that, um, you know, moving down to the defensive end or defensive linemen. So we'll see if that holds true. Maybe it was just, like, a one-time thing. Maybe he'll be back at rush end uh, this week, but – you know, Roy Manning, you know, is a big fan of his. You know, obviously he's he said he's rooting for him given all those injury things he's had to go through. He called him a dense person. He's when you bump into him, you move. Uh, he he's a dense dude. He's a he's a he's a strong dude. So, you know, a lot of people are rooting for Solo and I know there's a lot of, you know, posters on uh, you know, YouTube and uh Twitter and on the P that are, you know, hoping for a lot and he seems to be doing really well this spring so far. You know, he's been healthy doing all the practices, so that was kind of interesting. I saw um, on Thursday. Yeah, I love the dense is great. Like uh, when we played, you know, growing up playing volleyball. Like sometimes someone just when they hit the ball, like you get a lot of snap or whatever. But some guys just hit it. Like he hits a heavy ball. When he hits it, it's just like it's just move. It's, it's there's something to it. Like having saying he's dense. Like you just get that. Like oh yeah, there, there's no like br- like if you're brushing into the guy, it's like playing like the post against Shaq. Like there's just there's like yeah. a, a man, there's like just there's a space being taken up, yeah. and it's just gonna be hard to move at all. Uh, Shadi, any thoughts before we get to some questions on defense or anything you want to talk about? I mean, just listening to Alex Grinch, um, you know, it seems like he's happy with the effort they're getting, mm-hmm. but still a long ways to go. Especially on the defense side, he said, hey, we're getting some positives, we're getting some negatives, uh, but, you know, we're not where we want to be yet, obviously. Uh, so they're, they're trying to manage what they, they can do right now and trying to figure it out. Uh, but, you know, it, it sounds like, a lot of work still to do on that defensive side. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't we? Oh, is there something? One else? quick thing I did ask about Damani Jackson and Josh Jackson. Okay. Um, those obviously Damani, currently the highest rated prospect in the 2022 high school class. So which a lot doesn't of, matter. Which doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter, matter anymore. <laughs> um, but it matters when we talk about yeah, it. Yeah. But uh, you know, obviously he's coming off that that knee injury that he suffered at the beginning of his. Uh, Senior year, did not play a senior year. He's still rehabbing. I asked Alex Grinch about those two guys because I see them doing conditioning running. That sort of like means they're kind of like in the middle of being back. You know, he says it's one of those things where, you know, you'd like to press the accelerator on them, get them back in the fold, but it's also spring. We had mentioned that, you know, it's it's spring, so you don't need them right back right away. So it's kind of like let's tone it down a little bit. Let's, let's work them back in. Let's take our time. They're really excited to get their hands on them. You know, get them back in there, but um, they don't want to rush it. Okay, and so they're going to take their time with that. And if they get them for a little bit of spring, you know, they'd be happy with that. But if not, they're going to work that obviously into the summer. So kind of sounds like you know we won't see them until late in the in the in spring, if if at all. So yeah. that's something to watch. But he, you know, he joked. He like he he said, you know, I heard someone told me he's pretty fast. So I wanna I wanna get you my hands run, on run him. You want a guy with that kind of 10-3 speed, especially on a defense that needs more speed. Yeah. So It's a bummer because USC only had two early enrollees, C.J. Williams and Damani Jackson. And if Jackson's not going to take out this, you know, play in the spring, that's sort of like he wasn't an early enrollee at all anyway. But just being there, the mental reps and all that stuff you yeah. get, I think it's going to be helpful. Give you a leg up. But it'd be great to see him out on the field, especially because the whole secondary is going to be new and everyone out there is going to be uh, different. 
And uh, the other cornerback signing was there on Thursday. Fabian Ross, your uh, boy. I, I like Fabian. He was at Thursday practice. He came out with Damani and took in practice. So that's he's pretty getting, cool. He got a little mental reps in as well. So yeah, Zion Branch is probably like just my favorite. Like just when I got to see him <laughs> Hawaii in person, and I went out to interview him uh, at Bishop Gorman a month or so ago. Just just really impressed with him and his brother too. But like I think Zion's going to be a stud. Uh, what were you saying, Shaka? Just his brother, you know, and, and just, you know, just he's my guy. He's my guy already. That's uh, that's, that's, that's a Ryan. Guy? Yeah, Ryan, Ryan's already got a guy, though, so, you know, in, in this class, and that's what happens. So we'll be hearing about Zion for the next four years if he stays at USC from Ryan saying that's so my Zion's guy. Zion's my guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. We, we, we bond a little bit in uh, Hawaii. It was fun. I mean, it's Hawaii, you know, like, what are you going to do? It's great. Same thing. Ryan, anytime he interviews someone in Hawaii, falls in love oh, with him. Oh, Talanoa. Talanoa. Yeah. Talanoa. TV wasn't in hey, Hawaii. Hawaii does that to you. It was it was great. <laughs> I, and I don't um, know, I've told the story on like uh in the war room, but like literally I was going to do uh the sand dudes in Manhattan Beach, I guess it was about a month or so ago now. And it's eight in the morning, it's like just opening, and like there's a dude in a USC sweatshirt over there. I'm like, Talanoa. And it was like Talanoa Funga. He was like literally drove up from San Diego, Troy Palomalu is coaching him up, uh, you know, training him down there. And he's like, yeah, Troy used to do the sand dudes. So he literally drove up, you know, two hours to drive to do the sand dudes. We did the sand dudes together for like an hour and then, and then he left. But uh, he's still my guy. I like, I like telling him. Scored a touchdown in the playoffs. I mean, that's pretty cool. I haven't cycled out of my guy, Nick Figueroa, yet. So <laughs> you still I'm got, yeah. St- I'm still on the Nikki Figs trail. So yeah. Back, back to the Branch Brothers. Uh, Zachariah <laughs> this week um, with the, what was it, 500-something, 515-pound uh, squats. And a lot of people immediately commented, he shouldn't be doing that. It's a max squat, guys. That's what you do. Uh, but he's, uh, he's listed at 172 pounds, 515-pound squats, which tells you where part of where that explosiveness comes from that he has. So uh, he's going to be fun to watch this year playing for Bishop Gorman and then in the future playing for USC. And some people have uh, one blue love mentioned – he reminds him of Adori, and I think that's a pretty good comp. That's an interesting player that, uh, you know, if, when Adori was on the offensive side, I think you see some similarities there with Zachariah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to get to questions. So if you're on YouTube, we'll try to put them up on the screen. Um, and Ryan, yeah. real quick, oh, um, just to clarify on the Samoas, um, as I was – didn't want to interrupt too much there, Chris, but, yeah, American Samoa is obviously a U.S. territory. That's why it's called American – but there's an independent Samoa, which um, apparently, uh, which from our guys in the comments, thanks for the help here, but was previously Western Samoa. Uh, they gained their independence from New Zealand in 1962, apparently. Did not know all that, but a little history lesson so here as well. So they're not a U.S. They territory? Are, they are not a U.S. territory. They are an independent. So wow. I was right. See, little did you guys know, you learn history on Tunnel Vision. We, tra- we do what we can. Shaka, <laughs> a big fan of watching history. Yeah, that's right. Got to watch that history. Uh, very nice. But we're going to get to your questions. If you're on YouTube, put question first so I can see them, and we'll try to like go through these and uh, talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. But uh, what do we got first, Nicole? All right. So first up, Walker Lamer. His question is, how would you all evaluate the team captain leadership aspect? Are there folks who are getting respect from their peers and the coaches to be the go-to when things get tough? Yeah, I mean, and I think we've seen some pretty good, like, you know, player leaders but they weren't very like vocal. Uh, they were sort of like lead by example. 
Um, we might have some more of that, like a Shane Lee. He seems like a like a no nonsense kind of guy. Caleb Williams is going to be someone. He has the gift of gab. Yeah, He's we, going to be we've leading. Talked great. about you know his already stepping up to that leadership role. Yeah, kind of, you know breaking down the huddle right away. So. He's our, we've already talked about that sort of leadership aspect to him, but Lincoln, we kind of mentioned that you want the quarterback um, yeah. to be mm. any good team that you've really had or he's been a part of. You know, the quarterback is one of your focal leaders as a main leader. Um, you have you know leaders across all positions, but if you have a really good leader quarterback, usually you have a really good team. And he wasn't referring to Caleb; he he was referring to both quarterbacks, Caleb and Miller Moss, as something he wanted them to develop as leaders. Uh, for this spring camp, yeah. that was one of his, you know, goals for them is kind of step up and kind of be more vocal and you know take on that that role. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Him talking about the quarterbacks and said basically any championship team will have a quarterback that steps up and is a true leader of the team, not just the lead by example guy, but a guy that everyone uh, you know gravitates towards. And that that's Caleb Williams so far. He's a beacon. Everyone kind of he's the light, and everyone else is the mosquitoes coming around. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Uh, got another one up there, Nicole? If you yeah. Want. All right. So next up we have from Jasper Smith, who will be the most productive wide receiver in 2022. His money is on Gary Bryant, by the way. Mm, Gary Bryant. What I do mean, you guys think? I would say Mario Williams. Ooh, okay. I like that. I said that weird. I don't know why. But I would say Mario <laughs> Williams. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. Hold on. Hold on. Everyone should set. Redo. Redo. I would say Mario Williams. There you go. Oh, I like that better. It was that like confidence. Uh, like Anchorman, where they put the question mark at the end. You just read it like Mario yeah, Williams. Mario Williams. Listening to some people that I've seen that have seen some practices, full practices, uh, listening to some of the players I've chatted with. Brendan Rice is a guy that everyone has come away just enamored with the way he plays, the physical skills that are there. The last name doesn't hurt. Um, and I, I think that he's a guy that, you know, with that big gaping hole of no Drake London and who is going to fill in um, into some of those those vacancies that are there. Obviously, Mario Williams is an interesting one. Obviously, he has the connection with Caleb Williams already from high school camps to go into Oklahoma, following him, you know, coming to USC. But Brendan Rice is a guy that I've got my eye on. I'm definitely going to be, you know, watching as many reps of his as I can during the spring camp uh, when I'm out there is to, to check and see what he can do and how well he moves. I, uh, I'll let you go after two, Nicole. Um, I, you know, I'm leaning towards Mario Williams, uh, <laughs> but like my heart wants to say, for some reason, Kyle Ford's going to be out there and just do it, you know, just lighten it up. So he's one of my guys too. I like me some Kyle Ford. 
Uh, since you are said Mario Williams, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go on a limb and say Kyle Ford. Uh, any thoughts, Nicole? The- See, we were talking about our guys earlier, right? Mine's got to be Brendan Rice too. Um, okay, I've talked to him a few times at practice. I don't for whoever watched the instant analysis, he's the guy who compared it to vanilla ice cream. Don't know what that really means, but <laughs> he's got this energy about him that, in my opinion, is really unique on this team, and I think he is going to be the guy. So he's my guy. Yeah. For, bigger, yeah. bigger dude. There's just yeah. he's you know he's. And Chalk is right, the last name doesn't hurt, but... Yeah, uh, having a famous dad. He's got some density to him. There's some density to him, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you need that every once in a while. Don't forget about Taj Washington. I (laughs) I was about to say... blossoms in this offense this year, and if everyone else, if he's not got to be a guy on the outside and they can move him around a little bit more, then I think that he gains his confidence a little bit more because I think that's what hurt him last year. I think this offense will help, uh, you know, some explosive plays, which gives receivers their confidence a little bit more, and he'll he'll break out a little bit. I think he's already goal plated too. I say bet. Yeah, he is. Bet. There you go. Yeah, that's camera, perfect. In the camera. Bet. Okay. <laughs> the camera. Not like that. No, whatever. <laughs> we'll do it again. We'll do it again. It's more casual. It's like bet. Yeah. Don't bet. go. Bet. bet. Don't do that. Just bet. just be cool, Ryan. Moving on. Yeah, that's All right, bit. next that's question. <laughs> Anyways, Gonja Gorilla has, will USC have a 1,000-yard rusher on the team? If so, who? That is a tough one. Yeah, that's tough. It's um, tough. It's Travis Dye. I'm going with yes because Lincoln Riley has always had a 1,000-yard rusher pretty much. So I think that's the easy answer. The question of who, I think Travis Dye is your front runner, right? Has to be. Yeah. Yeah, he's the most versatile. Um, you talked. That's play- the question: Is he just going to get the ball out of the backfield on you know swing passes as well as other routes? Since they'll be running those this year, swing passes. No, that wasn't. Dar- since Darwin Barlow year. let us know that they will <laughs> run more than swing passes this year. Yeah, I mean, there's only three scholarship running backs right now. You have Rayleigh Brown coming in. He's probably going to be more of a pass catching kind of guy. Travis Dye is the most versatile, and you, know, you talk to people at Oregon. Um, just. I mean, they're bummed that a guy like that is be coming down here and potentially, you know, be one of the better running backs in the Pac-12. I love what I've seen from from Austin Jones at Stanford. Uh, didn't have the greatest uh, year last year, but that offense was just god-awful. And Darwin Barlow's just, I mean, he's a fan favorite too. You know, you love talking to Brendan Rice. Man, you, you love talking to some Darwin, Darwin Barlow. And all those guys who transfers in from elsewhere. I would say you got to go with Die, but like Shotgun mentioned, Lincoln Riley has put up a whole bunch of thousand yard rushers out there where he talked about playing eight to ten guys. So like the previous question when you're talking about who's going to stand out, I mean there there might there's not going to be a Drake London. There's not gonna be one guy that's gonna catch every ball. There's gonna be a you know, six, seven, eight guys that are all contributing, and all the guys we mentioned are probably gonna be part of that. But for whatever reason, it seems like with the running backs rotation, it's that you can have a guy that gets featured and ends up getting a thousand yards and catches a bunch of passes and things like that. So I think Travis Dye's got to be your leader in the clubhouse. We've heard good things about his leadership and stuff as well. Um, but there's just not that many options right now. And, you know, Shotgun mentions all the time, running backs get hurt fairly often. I think any one of those guys are capable of doing it. I think it's more than likely if someone stays healthy, they're going to get the rock a little bit more. They'll probably be featured and, you know, end up getting 1,000 yards. So I think it will be Travis Dye and he'll do it. Also, though, there is the potential of they just split it so much that they don't, you know, you got four guys or three guys that get 600 to 800 and no one actually gets to 1,000 because Relique Brown's coming as well in the fall. He's a guy that's going to get the ball in his hands in different ways as well. Yeah. 
Um, hold on, let me put. I just put up a new, another one from our buddy Jasper. If oh, hold on, let me go. It's all right. All right. Yeah. Okay, Jasper Smith. I know it's been asked for the last three to four years, but I gotta ask, how did Solo look? You kind of talked about this a little. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of talked about this a little, but as I said, played Russian the first week, did some defensive line work on Thursday. He looks good. You know, he's been out there. That's the the number one thing. He's been at practice. Obviously, we can't see the middle part, but it seems like he has been a full participant. Does not seem hindered at all. I was told, you know, going to the se- or going to the camp that, you know, this is probably the healthiest he's ever felt. Um, so that's if he could just get through the camp, a hundred percent. You know, get get valuable reps and stuff. You know, something he was kind of held back a little bit in uh, in uh, fall camp and during the season. You know, that's what you want. Um, so yeah, it seems like right now he's on the, he's on the right track. Yeah. It's, uh, we've seen him at a practice or two over the, the last couple of years. And he was like, Oh, make a big play, like one big play, but he was only in for a part of the practice. Now he's out there. And I feel like this is one of the, the rehab Island things where he's contributing regularly in practice. And that's just something we hadn't seen pretty much since he got, uh, to campus. So, uh, the fact that they moved him around, the fact that they're trying in different places, that they've had comments like him being dense, I think you just have to feel a lot better about him contributing. And we, Shotgun, I mean, we would talk about on Tunnel Vision, right? Like, people would ask about Solo. You're like, we can't. Like, he, until he's practicing, we're just not going to – you can't really say anything more about him. Now, now that he's practicing, I think we can now talk about him. Yeah, he's made it through a week of practices. That was my, my, that was my rule. Until he makes it through a week of practices consistently, then you can't talk about him. Um, and it's great to see that he has so far made it through healthy. I haven't seen him on rehab Island. haven't seen him. He's been there participating at least during the individual periods. Um, so, you know, it's great that he's back out there and hopefully he finds a spot where he can be productive and can be a, a valuable member of this team, whether it's on special teams as a third down guy, as a, you know, whatever, if he can find a role, I think that's just going to be an awesome story because of how much he's gone through. I don't care if he, you know, comes up with any stats at all, but to see him back out there and just being a productive member of the team would be great. Yeah. He could be a, a special teams monster. Oh, could that's be. true too. Yeah. And just doing that, we would talk about him. Like we just, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so next question. Andrew Hogue says, why do some players wear a padded helmet on top of the regular helmet while others don't? It's Good question. It's for to protect the quarterbacks. Ryan, you're going to be a quarterback. Okay. Give me a throw. <laughs> Coming in, rush through the... <laughs> it protects your hand from getting broken That's what, or, you know, getting caught or, you know, just coming down hard and breaking it. It's for, you know, guys that are around the quarterback the most. It's offensive not only no. They lineman. have they have ta- tight ends have them too. Because Is it for concussions? Yes, when you block, you have helmet to helmet contact, so it's just negating some of that helmet to helmet contact and you know lessening the strike force of it. I'm, as long as as well as protecting the I'm quarterback. I'm gonna hands. push back on you because we were told directly that's what it's for. Uh, it, it's it, why would the tight ends have it then? Well, they can know. block too. They I don't want to be left out. I don't know. They're they're blocking they're too. too. In the the research has shown repetitive strikes helmet to helmet is what leads to a lot of concussions. Why so many linemen have it rather than having the giant hits that wide receivers or DBs may take. Oftentimes you have CTE and offensive linemen more often than your outside skill positions. 
So it is something that has been worked on. It's why uh, a number of teams have gone to it. It's not just for the quarterbacks. I'm pushing back. I'm so, I mean, you. I think it could be, um, I think it could be both, yeah. but you know. And the uh, tight ends are H-backs too. So they're in the backfield. Yeah. Um, all right. But anyways, next question. <laughs> Who's your first fight from Jigger, Jigger Roms? Sorry if I did not pronounce that correctly. <laughs> Who's your first five off the bus? All right. So the two SEC guys for sure. So you got Shane Lee. SEC. And Romello Height. Like hey, calm down out. over there, lady. <laughs> All right. So those dudes got to be like they're in the first seat. Um, I think. S- I mean, Corey's pretty jacked. Yeah. Corey. Corey. It's basically your offensive lineman. Or, I mean, you're a defensive lineman or linebackers pretty much. I think Thule's pretty intimidating. Yep, there, there's five. If you want to get six, maybe Cortland Ford. I was going to say Cortland Ford, potentially. Uh, Brent, did you say Brendan Rice? Or I said, said Brendan Rice. I, I think you could Rice, consider yeah. that in there. He's got a great smile, though, and that's not what you want. You want a scowl. <laughs> you don't want a big old smile. Well, Height's smiling, too. He's very, he's very like, Who? Southern. He's very, Romello Height. He's very, oh. like, very, like, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. He's not going to be. Yeah, but I'm just staring at the muscles at that point. Okay. So I'm not really looking at the smile. <laughs> so if Brendan Rice doesn't smile, he can come. So Brendan Rice, don't smile. That's what All I'm right. Uh, good stuff. Thank you for that. Uh, is there any other questions you want to do from? I'll try to pull up another one here. I'm uh, overwhelmed. I'm not doing it. Chris, either. you uh, got it. <laughs> or Shadi, do you want? Do you have any questions you want to? Uh, Christopher Dimmick had a question. He said, uh, what current or future player? has a Beats-esque NIL deal in his future. So who we're going to see getting the big NIL deals in the future? Um, obviously, any quarterback. So Malachi Nelson is a guy who's been rumored to have a couple of NIL deals potentially uh, when he gets to USC already. But anybody on the current roster you think that, uh, you know, a big year this year could could end up with uh, some big NIL deals for them as well? I mean, it helps to have the the five-star kind of pedigree. Like, Not that it matters. Nothing that matters. Yeah, it doesn't matter, guys. But like, <laughs> say a Damani Jackson uh, ends up being like the starting corner. I don't know. Does he have any kind of like a Dory sort of roles going on? Does he do some fun things? Uh, you know, being a former five star, big high school. Yeah, maybe he's someone that could uh, could could get some some big deals he's on the defensive side of the ball. If you want to go specific, like beats, you know, I think a guy named Young Concrete. You know, Mateo Ugalele, five star. He said current roster. Ugalele. Ugalele. It says future. Oh, I thought Shotgun was talking about current. Yeah, we we can do either way. Either way. He said Malachi Nelson. (laughs) He's not even on the team. Your your voice got super high. (laughs) He's not even on the team. Chris, you think about your current, I'll give you a future and a current future. Zachariah Branch, I I think, is because of the electricity of the moves that he has. But on the current roster, not necessarily on the current roster yet, but already signed, Relique Brown is another player similar that could be used in a very Reggie Bush-esque way. So if he puts up some of those, just remember the hype around Dylan Baxter, that one spring practice where he made three or four guys miss on one run and he had another big run. And remember the hype just from that. Relique Brown's the type of player that can make those happen on a regular so, and he's a guy that has the acceleration to then take it after making a guy miss in the backfield, then take it for a big gain, which is something Dylan Baxter kind of missed out on. So I think he's a guy that could definitely capture the allure of, uh, you know, of 
NIL deals and the fans in general that they want to, you know, see him on some, uh, some, you know, uh, propaganda to, to be able to purchase something. Propaganda. What about like, say, marketing right. materials. I mean, Sorry. Say you're right. Who started alongside right. LeBron yep. James. I mean, in a movie, not, not a good movie, but he was in a movie. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it was not very good. Um, yeah. I mean, he's like a freaking movie star. Like, I guess you could get, get some deals, right? Like you do commercials or whatever, like as something like Should that. Should I call him a movie star? Well, he's in it. <laughs> but yes, I, I think that's a great, great point, Ryan, that, you know, he just got, he's got to have some production. He's got to get on the field. And if he makes some plays, you know, a couple interceptions, obviously he's already got the acting chops. So, you mm. know, that just is going to enhance his, uh, his marketability for, for an NIL deal to come in and say, Hey, we want to put you in a commercial or whatever. And I think that's big for USC because, like you said, he hasn't really contributed. If he ends up being a player that you can watch, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, that dude was in Space Jam too. Like what? Like that, you know, that's just kind of – if you want to do the uniqueness of being a USC football player or a USC football team and you're Lincoln Riley's bringing you – know, trying to bring that back, get the five stars coming, get people excited when you make a phone call to a defensive lineman in Georgia or uh, you know, a linebacker in New Jersey or whatever it is, they're like, oh, yeah, it's USC. They're back. And anything like that, where you're like, yeah, yeah, what, their, their quarterback was in a movie with LeBron James, like that kind of stuff is like, you're you're not getting that if you're in Nebraska, right? You're not getting that if you're at Florida State. Um, so it's it's one of those things where you can the team can use something like that um, as a it's just it's sort of a you kind of build up that mystique about USC, like oh, it's different at USC, and Lincoln Riley's starting to do that, but all those little things kind of help. Uh, being around just the entertainment industry, uh, you might get some guys that are extras in movies, and th- you know that could be a potential NIL thing where the guys are you know, working on sets and they're just like in the background of some shots, or they're they need big guys for a fight scene or whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of former USC football players that are in the you know stunt business and acting business and things. And USC, I think, featured a lot of the guys on their Twitter account recently. But if you could get like current players, I mean, obviously having one in a movie is ma- amazing, but just being extras for things like that's just something that like you can't really offer at other places. So I, I'm curious to see how that kind of grows uh, going forward. Cause that could be a big NIL thing for USC football. Yeah. I'm blanking on the name off the top of my head. Uh, his son played at USC in the Alan last graph graph. Yeah. So Alan graph is one of the biggest football film coordinators that there is in Hollywood. I don't know if he's done anything recently uh, cause I'm very late to watching movies, but when watching the credits, you always see his name pop up. You'll see him in the movies as a you know a defensive line coach or something. But he's the one that kind of choreographs the football and stuff. Former USC player. His son played at USC. Kevin Graff. Two sons. Uh, Derek Graff also. Oh, I didn't realize that. So Derek yeah. Graff. If you ever watch Zombieland, one of my favorite movies, the big <laughs> ugly clown at the end that that uh, the main character has to like hit in the, in the head with a mallet. That's Derek Graff. So he. Gets, oh, nice. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Former USC player. So see, there's yeah. those those connections that other schools can't have. So yeah, if someone likes Sierra Wright, if he can perform on the field, that just broadens the things. And you know, it's very similar to Gerard was talking on the the, the two star composite uh, podcast plug uh, for Chris Trevino there, but uh, about the what it was like in twenty. 20- uh, 2005 2006 and them running out of the tunnel and the the flashes from everyone's disposable cameras and stuff and just the the hype the you know the goosebumps moments of USC being at its peak 
and then you have the celebrities on the sideline and you have everything and all those things just build on itself. So it all starts with USC playing well. And if that thing that happens, it builds and builds and then it becomes, you know, it snowballs and gets bigger and bigger rolling down the hill and makes it easier for USC going forward for the future players and their future NIL deals, the future, uh, you know, the future of recruiting at USC because there's so many more allures there and people want to be around the program and, you know, being around Will Ferrell or being around, you know, um, you know, uh, Ice Cube's son, Lawrence, ja- uh, Blank and O'Shea Jackson, yeah. you know, being around those people when they're on the sidelines and, hey, you meet someone and suddenly they're like, hey, come out for this thing that I got. It's a small part. We'll just put you in the back, but you'll have fun. And that builds upon it and builds upon it. And that's that's how things work. Yeah. All right. We got another question up here from Adler Corville. Biggest shocker to hit the portal after spring football is over, guys. Uh, so we expect USC to lose a couple more players at least, right? Um, asking me to name somebody? I know. That's tough. That is uh, tough. Like, I refuse. Who would be like, okay, so who would be sh- like, I think it would be shocking like if like a Miller Moss that's hit the what, portal. Yeah. yeah. So that would be, I don't think, I think he's sticking around. Um, I know, yeah, okay, Caleb Williams is going to be your starter, but I would be shocked if that happens. Um, I would not be shocked if that happens. Really? You wouldn't, Chris? Quarterbacks. Quarterbacks, I've spoken about this before. Quarterbacks are highly desirable, especially a young freshman quarterback who could, you know, doesn't want to sit. Um, obviously, his, his role is a little more important, and he's talked about that, you know, just being that there's only two right now. Don't know what USC is going to do in terms of bringing in a third one or if Mohassan gets back. So he is vital. You want to keep him around, but, you know, there's no guarantee that he sticks around. It's just if he went in the portal, some program is going to hit up Miller Moss, you know, a quarterback that hasn't played a lot, but he was a, you know, a big time prospect at a high school uh, elite 11 quarterback. He's going to get picked up by someone. I don't I don't think that would be a shock if, you know, he looked for an opportunity to start right away as opposed to sitting um, assuming, as we've talked about, that he is the backup moving forward. Yeah, I think he can graduate like after another year or something. And you know, I, I think there's a, a reasons he would want to stay after that. Like, I'm sure. not saying he would stick around like a, a long time or whatever. Who knows? But uh, I kind of be a little shocked at that. Anyone off the top of your head, shotgun? I'm still shocked by Parker Lewis. You know, your starting kicker goes in yeah. to the portal. That just seems uh, still was a strange one. Uh, you know, some of the stuff we heard behind the scenes. Uh, you know, it seemed made more sense, but you know, when I initially heard it, I was like, what Parker Lewis is in there guy that started every game that he was healthy for. Um, so that one was, it was definitely a surprise with the leg that he has and everything, but now USC has got Alex Stadhouse on, on uh, scholarship and he did a good job when he was throwing the fire the past two years. And so I'm curious to see how he's going to do this year. It should be fun. And I'm looking at the, my scholarship distribution chart on uscfootball.com. I'm going to go out and say, any offensive skill player, I would be shocked at this point. They only have three running backs, so I don't think anyone's leaving there. Two of them already transferred in. There's down to 10 wide receivers, um, and I just feel like everyone could be a contributor, you know? Like, I don't know who would go in that group. Like, it could be, like, maybe a John Jackson or a Kyle Ford or something, but I kind of think they're going to stick around. And even, you know, with the tight end group, uh, I think those guys are going to stick around too. So I'm going to, I would be shocked if an offensive skill player enters the portal after spring. I mean, so they're going to play eight, nine guys. And you only got 10. And, yeah. and if you're blowing out dudes, your or teams are going to, you're going to, you know, play, you know, so you're going to get time in that fourth quarter, that th- early third quarter or whatever. So there's, 
plenty of snaps to go around, especially if you know you put up points yeah. as we expect them to do. Uh, hold on, we got one. Let me put this one up. This is for you, Chris. Uh, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, there you go. All right. So it's just Jay's asking, can we talk about the NIL deals for linemen? I believe some former Trojans are trying to get that going for the big guys. Did we mention this last week on the show or the Sam no, Baker stuff? Okay. But Chris had a great story uh, with the oh, yeah. Sam Baker. They're trying to put some NIL deals together for this is mostly for current players, not like a necessarily an incentive to go there but i think you're going to start to see stuff like this pop up we've seen the collectives and everything but that's great you know if you're sam baker former all-american you're like hey man i want to help the guys that are on on the team right now so yeah it's not yeah i mean excuse me sam you know is sort of the face the main organizer of this but it's about a collective of maybe a dozen former players at the moment when i talked to him uh, including frosty rucker who was sort of? He was at practice on yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, he was at practice on Tuesday. He was walking around with Mike Bone and some looked like some important looking people. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so you know, maybe I don't know, but you know, he's sort of. I I was going to make a joke, but I can't make that <laughs> joke. Uh, but uh, he's kind of represented the defensive side of you know because it's for both. It's not just offensive linemen; it's for defensive linemen, and it's going to be sort of a luncheon where they will have. Uh, linemen come, you know, fans can come, interact with them, hang out with them, take photos, autographs, talk to them, whatever whatever it may be. Um, is it going to be for every offense, uh, lineman on the team? I don't, I don't know. It's not like the Texas initiative, you know, that's the big sexy one where it's like you have the numbers 50K for, for, every, lineman. for, for every lineman. Um, I don't know if it's going to be that. I think the goal is just to, you know, pool get, uh, raise as much money as they can to sort of you know distribute it that way might just be starters might just be you know the top guys i don't know that those details haven't come out you know I'll try to get more as those come out you know sam told me that as those come out we can talk more about it so we'll see that is supposed to start this year in a couple months you know probably in the summer um that will be the first one and you know a lot more details will be available soon hopefully next month um but yeah, that's sort of the deal right now, um, moving forward. And again, no monetary number. I don't know if it's like 10k or whatever. I have, I have no idea any of those numbers right now. Um, but a free pizza sort of, or 100k, who knows? Like whatever. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> it's funny. Like if you go into Heritage Hall, I, they used to. I don't know if they still do, but they had like a chart that would show like a lot of the positions are endowed. Like so, their scholarships are taken care of by some endowment or whatever. Like for different positions, and this is going to be a whole different sort of you know, endowment thing where you're just like, Hey, I'm a former kicker. I'm a rich USC alumni. And I'm like, I'm going to make sure USC starting kicker is taken care of every year. And I, they're going to, you know, I have money that's set aside for him. He has to do like whatever they have to have something that do like a couple autograph settings or like do a video or something with me. And I give them $10,000 and that's just sort of a thing. Like I could see that being uh, like each position group, there might be a former player or whatever, just like, you know, if Matt liner, just like, yeah, man, I'm going to make sure all the quarterbacks are taken care of or whatever it is, um, something like that. Uh, I, I could see that happening a lot. You know, the collectives are one thing where you're sort of like, that seems more like alumni that are trying to incentivize high school players coming to the school. This would just be more about, hey, I'm the former left guard and uh, I, you know, I hit it, you know, hit it big in like stock market or whatever, or I was an NFL player for a long time. And I'm going to take care of that position, like going forward. So that that'll be interesting to see 
if we start seeing a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, actually. Uh, a question just came through that I'm curious on what you guys think is Ryan Fox asked best case scenario record for this season. What do you guys think? You guys talked about this. and they win a national championship. That's the best case scenario. I mean, true. I Realistic mean, best there, case scenario. There was no, that was not part of the question. We just <laughs> answer the questions that are asked here. You got to ask better questions if you want a realistic one. I think there's a pretty big range. <laughs> uh, Ryan, thanks for the question. Uh, I think there is a pretty big range because if things fall right, like there's no re- like this roster is significantly better than it was. Um, you know, the Pac-12 is not very good. the The North is pretty wide open. Uh, you, you know, if you make it to the championship game, you can easily win the conference. Uh, you know, Oregon's be the one team that you would want to beat, and they have a brand new head coach too. Uh, Utah's good. They bring a lot of guys back, like legit. USC has to play Utah on the road. But that, you know, you, Caleb Williams is a guy that I think could win you a game by himself on, on with anyone on the roster uh, or any any team on the schedule. So I could see, like, you know, is it eleven and one thing, like out of the question? Like, no, I don't. If like, I think things would have to fall right. But I think it also like a seven to five season could fall that way too, and I think they would lose some weird games. And I know you guys were talking about it on uh, the the composite uh, you know recruiting podcast. And Gerard brought up a good point as far as if you remember Pete Carroll's first year that was six and six, losing to Utah in the Vegas Bowl. They were way more competitive uh, in all of those games, even though they lost some. You're sort of learning. On the you know as you were going, kind of figuring out what was going on, and the next year they end up you know winning the Orange Bowl, and you know it, it could be something sort of similar to that where you're you're competitive in games, and I I think that's what you want to judge this on. Like even if the record's eight and four, which is a significant improvement, um, are you getting blown out? Like did did Notre Dame blow you off the field? Did Oregon State push you around? Did a terrible Stanford team uh, run all over you? Like those kind of things are that is that happening? Because if that is then the team isn't improving that much. But if they go seven to five or eight and four and all the games were close, it was like, man, I can't believe they lost one at the end. I think that shows you like, that's the, that's what you want more. Like, I think that's more important than the record is that you're in all the games. They're not getting blown out by all these teams. Um, I mean, that, that's one thing that you, you look at the record for Clay Helton, there's, you know, it was, wasn't very good at, you know, especially towards the end, but the games that you weren't competitive in, like, there's so many of them, and I think that's what you want to try to avoid. And you hire someone like Lincoln Riley to make sure that that's not going to be happening. So I don't think it will, but I think the the record could move around quite a bit. They could go undefeated in the regular season. It's not it's not out unrealistic for that to happen. So that's best case scenario. Uh, what you do in the Pac-12 championship, what you do beyond that, uh, but they could eat, you know they, they're going to be within a five point dog of every team. And if you're within three to five points, that means you have a chance to win that game. So they're not going to be 12 point underdogs to Utah, even though Utah should be a top 10 team. It's going to be playing at Utah. Um, but I think it'll be like a five, five and a half point, you know, dog in that game, depending on how the teams are playing at that time. But, you know, Caleb Williams is a dynamic player can do some different things, but the roster continues to change. And by the time they get to the fall, if everyone buys in, that's the big, thing to me that i think that'll determine two to three wins the the variation there is how much buy-in does the entire roster have because the roster is going to be much more talented than it was last year just because the influx of transfers and the influx of transfers they plan to still bring in and the fact that there are some talented players out there i think there's been a lot more talented players enter the transfer portal this year than there were even last year um i I think when there was some big name guys go in last year was like 
every big name program is like, oh, we got to get on this guy. Whereas this year, it seems like there's just been an influx of more talent. And you see people like uh, Mestador, I think it is, at, at uh, West Virginia and the coach coming on saying uh, he's just disappointed and heartbroken that the kid leaves. He's a super talented kid. He's looking for bigger and better. I think you're seeing more players in her that probably would normally stay but are super talented and just looking for that championship-level team, and it's become more free agency. So USC can turn the roster around a lot quicker. So, you know, it's perfectly feasible for them to go undefeated in the regular season. Do I think they're going to do that necessarily? No, but, you know, it, it is feasible. Yeah. Uh, well, we're quarter after the hour. We should probably wrap things up. Was there anything else, Shotgun, you wanted to do question-wise? Quick rapid-fire here? Let's do a quick one, yeah. All right. Uh, we got to answer this question. We had multiple questions about it. One Blue Love 23. There's a rumor going around that Josh Carley is in Eugene right now. His dad's supposed to post an image related to Oregon on his Instagram. He deleted it soon after. Any truth to this? I don't know what his dad deleted or didn't delete. His dad was flying this weekend. Does that mean he necessarily went to Eugene? Uh, if he goes to Eugene, does that mean he's going to D'Anthony Thomas? Because that was a lot of questions that we got. Um, and I've been texting with some people about that. And one person uh, mentioned D'Anthony Thomas was committed. This is not quite the same situation. Um, and they also said Josh Connerly's pretty big. You would think someone would have seen him if he was in Eugene. And you feel like this was this covert uh, thing to get him there. So uh, don't get freaked out yet. Still a couple days before he makes that final decision. Corey Leith had a question for me. Do you think they will have more speed as a whole at the wide receiver position? I think so. I think you guys yeah. would probably agree with that. Uh, and also in the wide receiver group, does Michael Jackson have a role in this team? Thought he showed some promise last year. I thought he showed some promise in the spring, kind of plateaued a little bit in the fall. He's got to take that next step forward. I don't know if you guys have seen anything on him so far in the fall uh, or in the spring so far, the the individual reps you've seen. Yeah, he's been out there. I mean, I thought he was looked – what we can see, I thought he looked good. Uh, Tim um, had a question, Chris, <laughs> for you. Is Peely 100%? If not – who do we you have in your way too early, too deep at nose tackle? I uh, was hoping I could get through the rest of the show without talking anymore. Oh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, Peely seems to be 100%. does seem like they're s- slowly maybe integrating him a little bit. You know, don't want to throw everything at him, especially a guy coming off a significant injury like an Achilles. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, a tough football injury to come back from because – where you're moving and cutting and planning and all that stuff. So I think it seems like they're they're sort of slowly moving him in. I know he wants to drop a little bit more weight so we could possibly mix in with some other positions, you know, defensive tackle, move out a little bit on the edge, stuff like that. Not rush end, but like defensive end, defensive tackle. Uh too early, too early, too deep. Right now it's probably Stanley uh Tauafu, uh, who was, you know, kind of the starter at nose tackle last season. You know, he's kind of undersized for that, uh, for a defensive lineman. He was a, a linebacker coming out of high school. But, again, he has the thing that his defense covets, which is quickness. Yeah. And, you know, he is strong. Uh, he is a dense guy. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever uh, seen him up close. Quick and dense is good. Quick and dense. Um, and then I'd probably say the other one, Jamar Sakona, right now. So those would kind of be my top two uh, if I had to just throw two names out there. All right. Chris didn't get the message of rapid fire. I don't know what, what's going on. He wasn't going to talk, and then he talked you guys more. I know. Spent Jasper's... like thirty minutes talking about uh, <laughs> uh, Sierra Wright. Well, we we went to rapid fire mode. Chris yeah. uh, Trek Rager asked question: Does Corey Foreman look like he's improving? It seems like he has an effort problem for what his this coaching staff and the last one said. Your best of, uh, ability is your availability. 
Corey Foreman has learned that from last year. He's banged up a little bit, but he's going to be out there this this week. Uh, he should be full go is what Lincoln Riley said. Does he look like he's improving? He hasn't been out there yet, so he can't necessarily say if he's improving or not. And how much are we actually going to see from the individual drills? Yeah. One blue love, 23. Real quick, though, on that. I mean, the one thing you got to remember, he didn't get to play his senior year also, and I think that yep. was part of it. So, um, you know, it, it, maybe it's going to take him a little bit longer to get rolling, and we'll see uh, when he comes back this week. One blue love 23 Riley said by the start of the season, everyone should have earned their logo. No. Yes. Everyone will earn their logo by the beginning of the season, or they won't be dressed out for games. That's what I took away from Lincoln Riley's message, or they won't be a part of the program. So therefore they still yeah. wouldn't be dressed out for games. Yeah. If they're, um, if they're not getting their logo, they're, they're not going to be, they're not going to be around. Yeah. Jasper under Clay Helton, it seemed like there was hardly any backups that got any PT. Is this Riley's philosophy as well? At least at the wide receiver position, he's already said eight to nine people are going to play. So I think you're going to see a little bit more rotation there. Don't know about on the defensive side. That'll be interesting. That's something to keep an eye on with Alex Grinch, how he rotates players. Matt Ferguson, will tight ends be used better? What do you think, Ryan? I do. I think they're going to use tight ends better. Uh, that's a, I mean, as far as like a group that you probably don't need to add anyone to, Lake and Riley said you got to add people like everywhere. I don't think you need to add any of the tight ends. I think they're going to be utilized better. Uh, they got a really good group. They can stay healthy. I know they're a little banged up right now, but uh, yeah, I think you're going to see better use of the tight ends. Chris, uh, who was Andrew, had a question. Who's the fastest player on the team? Keenan Kristen's no longer there. So? Damani Jackson. Correct. You are correct. 10-2 last year? 10-1? 10-1-8,10-2-2? I can't remember what it was. 100-yard dash. I just passed the quiz. I'm just happy about that. <laughs> Adler, uh, and Ryan, do you think we're getting a traditional spring game scrimmage? I think so, any, yeah. Any any notes on that? Uh, we don't. I mean, we just know that that's the only thing that's going to be open for everyone to see. I think you're going to see a more traditional kind of uh, game thing. I think the one good thing is about this athletic department, they've heard all the complaints that people have had. And if it's like an easy fix, like, oh, don't play UC Davis, play a, an actual, you know, a, a you know a group of five team instead. They did that. I think they're going to have a regular spring game. Uh, Lewis asked, Chris, any news on the transfer portal? We could use some D-line linebacker. What's the possibility we can get Connerly? We've touched on Connerly. USC is still in a good position there. Uh, who knows about this this rumored visit to, to Oregon, if there's any last-minute posturing or, or pushing there from Oregon. But, Chris, on the transfer portal, definitely were some offers that went out this week, right? Yeah, the, the LSU, the former LSU linebacker, top uh, a four-star prospect, Josh White. He entered after two spring practices at LSU. He's like, I'm out. And then, no Brian Kelly. The, the dance saw, moves? Yeah, he saw Brian Kelly's dance moves. like, I got to go. Bye-bye. I got to get out of here. Uh, and then the West Virginia uh, defensive lineman, Akeem Mesidor, uh, who is kind of the perfect guy I've or we've been talking about as an impact guy that you need, sort of a guy who was a freshman All-American, second team um, Big 12. They're Big 12. Uh, second team Big 12 uh, selection. Has sacks in his career, has a lot of playing time in his career. I believe Chris Hummer, our national writer, has already come out and did a story that he is, you know, going to take a USC visit. So already on the radar. So that could be, you know, a big name uh, to look out for. Which game will be our biggest next year? I think you got to go Utah. They won the Pac-12. They went to the Rose Bowl. It's on the road. If you want to, if USC has to be back, they're going to have to win that game. Because I don't think Utah's going to lose a bunch of games. Uh, so to, to win the Pac-12 South and then potentially win the Pac-12, I think the South's going to be stronger. you got to beat Utah. Uh, Great point. Agree. 
And last one that we had was Andrew asked, any hope we get to see the Sarkeesian-era chrome helmets again against Notre Dame? How do you guys feel about the chrome helmets? Would you want them to bring them back? They were chrome face masks more and just uh, shiny. They were more of a metallic. I don't understand. I don't know exactly how you uh, phrase it. I don't think they would, you would call them chrome, though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you want to bring it back. Like You don't want to bring like Stark stuff back because that just wasn't very good. <laughs> people were freaking out over stickers. You think people are going to... They didn't like the helmet. Chris, on, uh, it, it, it happened. It, it's not like it, they haven't been through this once. Already. I wasn't. I wasn't around, so I don't know what that I'm, looked like. I'm just not a big uniform, like whatever. Like I don't like. They're like, oh my god, they had white socks. I'm like, oh, okay, or, or whatever it is. Like they changed their socks. Like, I don't even notice. But uh, yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that. But the fact that if it was like a Pete Carroll thing, then maybe. But it was like a Steve Sarkeesian thing, which he didn't even last two years as a head coach, so probably not. The fact that they didn't go with the uniforms is what always bothered me. They looked really good with the whites because, you know, the the color of the helmets was a little bit different than the color of the uniforms with the Cardinal. So that was what bothered me. Otherwise, I thought they looked pretty good. And, Ryan, last question for you. How does Rice look, being Brennan Rice? Yeah, we. I mean, he looks good out there. Like there's... No, 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 Ryan. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? He looks swole. That's the oh. answer. Mm. Oh, no, it's yoked. <laughs> or yoked. No, it's yoked. It's supposed to be yoked. Yeah. I was letting I was giving it let letting you have it. <laughs> you were building it up. Yeah, say, yeah. say your new say your new Yoked. Line. No. Nope. The bet. one we learned today. I just did that. Oh, there it is. Hey, there that was is. better. That was better. <laughs> That's all the rapid fire questions I've got, guys. Uh thanks so much for everyone for, for submitting questions. We really appreciate it. We you know, we love to talk about the topics of the week, but we also want to answer your questions every week. So thanks for participating and being a part of the show to provide us with some with some interesting things to, to converse about. For sure. Uh, I think Nicole got a question. I got a question. Oh, oh, what was the question? Oh, that is true. We did have one question. I forgot, didn't bold it. What's the biggest food shock for Nicole being in Los Angeles versus her time in Georgia? Ooh, well, I'm a big foodie, so I like this question. Um, okay, I will say the sushi in LA is way better than in Georgia, but I, I mean, miss duh. Southern barbecue like no other. Oh, Southern. Also, the Chick Fil A's in Georgia are just better. Um, that's another <laughs> statement. I just, yeah, I miss Southern barbecue a lot. Like I gotta, would fly back to Atlanta for that. Got to get her some blood sows, uh, Chris. But tell her what she's really missing. Zaxby's. Zaxby's. Oh, Come on. There's Zaxos? no Zaxby's in, in, in LA. Come on. I we're going to talk West. for 30 minutes. <laughs> no, we're, we're going to be done. None of those Georgia stuff. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's like the most obvious thing that you could say. Like, uh, the, the sushi's better in LA than Georgia, for sure. Well, it, yes. <laughs> it's not like Georgia's not near the coast, Ryan. Yeah, it's St. Simon's. It's close. Mm, yeah. That, that's just that. All right. Ryan had some really good food when we went to Savannah. We'll leave it at that. We there's did. Good, there's good seafood in Georgia as well, but sushi's definitely not. There's definitely a, a much better pick on the in the Pacific Ocean. For but sure. thank you guys so much for joining us. Hit that like button while you're at it right now. Like, Sm- subscribe, do all those things. We love all that. <laughs> and I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, we're... We're, like we said, we're getting the show ramped up again. Obviously, there was you know, some retooling that had to be done. Hopefully, it's going to be smooth going forward and uh, we get the audio better, a lot more video kind of stuff. We'll try to get uh, more guests and everything, too. We, we get all your requests and we appreciate all of them and we'll try to keep uh, growing the show and get it back going again. Nicole, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking over. You've been doing a great job running the board and doing all the stuff. So it's great. Shotgun joining us from the East Coast. He'll be out here soon. Chris Trevino, reluctantly on the show, but he's doing great. <laughs> and, uh, you know, thank all of you guys for listening. So I'm going to wrap this up. You've been watching 
Tunnel Vision live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening and watching, and we will talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.